Please take a seat. Uh, thank you so much again for coming to, uh, to Amsterdam with your film. We just had a brief conversation and you told me you are just back from the area because you're doing a second film on the battle on Mosul, which is happening while we are here speaking to each other. Um, how close are the Peshmergas in cooperation with the Iraqi army to get hold of that city? First of all, I want to tell you that I'm myself happy to be there, to be here. I'm very honored to, that this film has been selected by this so prestigious festival. And I want to thank all of you. And I want to thank for their presence two ladies, Carolina and Shiba Hussein. They are Kurdish, they are in Amsterdam. They are respectively the wife and the daughter of one of the characters of the movie who appears with the main advisor of President Barzani and who appears at the end of the movie when I interview Barzani. Can you stand up one minute? Shiba and Carolina, here they are. Thank you to our program. Their father is fighting hard today at the head of the Peshmerga and especially again for the Battle of Mosul, who is uh, who is at stake now, where the Peshmerga play again uh, a great part. Battle of Mosul, which began, to be frank, uh, here, with the scenes the, this movie shows. It's the same. It's the same characters, same fighters, same places. Zartik, Bashika. I was last week in the city of Bashika, which I, I, from, which I see with the drones in Peshmerga. It has just been liberated last week. So the story is going on, and I wanted to shoot the epilogue, the end of Peshmerga. So while you are sitting here, naturally something could happen that this city falls and that IS will be defeated. Uh, how are you being warned, uh, okay, you have to come back now to finish your film? There is a gentleman <laughs> whom I just quoted uh, who, among other missions, had the mission to call me and to tell me, my dear Bernard, you are welcome for a new dinner. <laughs> this is our code. <laughs> and Carolina knows. If Dr. Fouad calls me and tells me you are expected for a nice new dinner, it means that I have to be there in the next 12 hours. Okay. Um, and I, I did, and I will probably in the next day. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning of the film because you have this fascinating footage uh, that you got, that you got to see from the guy who's running up the, the mountain and he steps on a mine and he survives, which is a miracle in itself. Why was the opening scene of your documentary the start for you and the inspiration to uh, get involved with this project? Because I was more than impressed. I was flabbergasted by this image. Flabbergasted and impressed by the the bravery and by the loneliness of this man. How can one can be so alone, so brave, and so important for my future, for, my, for the destiny of my children? I felt when I saw this image, which is, I shot with my team, with Camille Otto, Olivier Jacquin, and Tayeb, 99% of the image you saw there, you saw there, except two or three 
including this one. This one, I received it one day, and it is what decided me to go and shoot. And for me, it was clear that this man was a rampart, a shield to the civilization which is under attack by jihad, and it, that in this, being a shield, is completely lonely. So this combination of strategic importance for destiny and of loneliness decided me, how to say, to contribute. Mm. Let's, let's talk about him, but also first, his friend is calling him, come back, come back. He's, you could also as mention or think that his friend thinks this is the act of a lunatic. Don't run up this mountain, it will be the end. Um, why is he running? What, what does he want to do? What is his idea if he is on top of this mountain? There was an attack which was announced uh, 500 meters just after the top. There was an attack of Daesh and he came in Romfort to, to reinforce the unit of Peshmerga who are at the other top on the other side of the, of the hill. Mm -hmm. He went there to do his job as many others from other side of the hill joining the same group right. to oppose uh, a, a wall of courage to the, the dirty uh, savagery of, uh, of ISIS. Yeah. Now this film starts, uh, the background is um, the attacks, for example, on Charlie Hebdo last year in January. Uh, had you decided already then to make this film or was that an extra element to start filming? After Charlie Hebdo, I decided to go to Kurdistan and to make a story for magazines and newspapers, which I did uh, in March. And it is when I, w after this story written, when I met uh, again, because I, I was in Kurdistan before, but I, when I met again in this condition, the Peshmerga, that I decided to make a film, because it appeared so crystal clear for me that the center of the plague we were facing in Paris, in Brussels, uh, in uh, Germany, uh, everywhere in Europe was there, that for me it was an evidence that uh, if I had a possible modest, humble contribution to this fight which I accepted to qualify as a war, my contribution could be this one. I don't know I'm not a judge, I'm not a policeman, I'm, I'm not a warrior, I don't know how to, to hold a weapon, but I know how to hold a camera. Yeah. I did that in Libya, the Oath of Tobruk, I did that in Sarajevo, Bosnia, and I decided to, 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 to devote the energy I still have and, and my, my little skill in that to, to, to this cause, to this battle. So you want to prove the point that the Peshmerga are basically, they are, they are fighting our fight. They are on the front line fighting our fight and the help they get is, it's a bit wishy-washy because we do see American personnel in your film, but it's almost hidden. You have to watch very carefully. Do they get a lot of help of the United States or Europe? Are they fighting this fight alone? Or is it now an international coalition that is uh, joining them? To be frank, I had, uh, I oscillated from one belief to the other in the time of the movie. Sometimes I had the feeling that they had a great support. The first battle, July 1st, the Battle of Almoura, 
in which we were really taken by so we, us, François Margona, my producer who was with me, my cameraman, we were taken by surprise there. We did not expect. Thanks God, there was the strike of the coalition. When I say right, uh, les renforts arrive, support comes, it came first of all by airstrike. So there was a lot of moments when I thought that the coalition was faithful and strong. There were other moments uh, when I felt the contrary. Example, when I arrive at the office, at the camp of General Barzani on the front line, it is just a few days after a chemical attack. And you remember Barzani shows on the map and he tells me that he is just at the day after a chemical attack and that he has nothing to protect his men against a new chemical attack. And I see, I did not edit them, I did not put them in the movie because it is unbearable. I filmed some bodies of his comrades, of his soldiers, wounded by chemicals, by gas. It's horrible, it's horrible. It's <laughs> un impossible to put in such a movie. So in this case, I felt that they did not have the support. And I felt it even more because a few weeks after, they still did not have, and as you saw with the Dr. Veres, doctors, doctor, doctors with border, the man with the white hair who comes to cure my, my cameraman, he comes with some masks, he comes with some suits, which were not provided by any government, which were provided by uh, an, an NGO and private donors, uh, and it is not their, their role, it is not their duty. They did it because they, they, they knew, they saw. So at this moment, they are not. Other example, there is in the film this scene, which is one of my, the scene I, I really like in this film, where you see this group of generals upon the hill deciding the strategy of, a, of the attack of the day, of a few days after, in Albu Muhammad. They decide. Uh, uh, so they say, uh, we should take the road on the right, no on the left, there is more dust, there is you remember that. And they make the count of their force. They decide to have coming back the two Milans of the Unite, uh, the Unit 23, the one Milan, of, they have so little. They count on the fingers of one hand <laughs> the available weapons. Mm. So this scene is heartbreaking, great, but heartbreaking because it shows again how brave, but how ill-equipped they, they are. Was that one of the reasons to make this film as well? Because as we all know, the Kurds always have been the victim of history. They've been left alone every time when they were fighting a, a battle. Now you are saying this is the battle. This is historically the biggest battle maybe that is being fought, but the help is not that big. That's what, what I what we get from your film. Or is it the case that President Obama wants to finish this job before with them and others to, before he leaves office? There is very little time left exactly. <laughs> before President Obama leaves office. But uh, number one, it is true. The Kurds have been betrayed since uh, ages, at least since one century, since the treaties after uh, World War I. It is one of the biggest betrayal of modern history, number one. Number two, they spilled blood and they made so many sacrifices for their cause. Uh, and number three, uh, what is happening today 
uh, I cannot imagine that the world will not, at the end of the story, um, how would I say that? Not reward, but I cannot imagine that the world does not recognize uh, the entitlement of their best ally in the region, which were the Kurds, to get at the last the fulfillment of the dream. But the reward is actually, it's a very good word that you chose because they are fighting for their own independent state. And they are fighting now for the fall of Mosul while knowing that this uh, city will not be part of their territory. Are they fighting with everybody also to conquer Mosul to show the international community, okay, this is what we do, now give us independence? Is that the goal? They do it first of all because they, they believe it is, uh, it, is it is good to do it, ethical. They do it, number two, because it is their interest. It, there is no free people in the world who can tolerate to have a fascist organization at 20 kilometers or 15 of its borders. You have a lot of Kurdish families who, who live at, 50, at 20 kilometers from Mosul. Look what happened in Kirkuk a few weeks ago. We were there with François Margolin, my producer, and my team we were there at this time. The Daesh was able to organize, like Gaza for Israel. They were able to, Hamas for Israel, Hamas. They were able to organize an attack behind the lines in the very city of Mosul, a terrorist attack of a huge amplitude. So it is the interest of the Kurds anyway to uh, eradicate this um, uh, uh, block of evil close to themselves. Now, is there also behind their mind the idea of a reward? I don't know. I don't know. And I would, uh, I could, uh, I could add that the Kurds, they are like the Catholic Church or like the, the Jews. A long memory. They don't count in terms of, uh, in short terms, you know. They are not living at the rhythm of the polls, the poll, les sondages. Mm. They are not living uh, at, the, at the rhythm of uh, who is growing. No. Long history of courage, long history of suffering, long history of martyrdom. This sort of story, like Vatican, like the Jews and the Kurds, it gives a perspective on your own history which obeys to a sense of temporality completely different. Now about yourself, your personal commitment, which is very clear I think from this film because you also, you, you are traveling with drones and uh, Kurdish fighters can see that material, maybe it helps them for their next battle. Uh, at the same time, I, I know you have been criticized in France, especially for being too vain in your own films, and uh, the critici criticism would always be, he's always filming himself. It's a narcissist. No, not here. Not here. <laughs> I think it, it took 51 minutes to, uh, to see you first time in your suit uh, walking on the front lines. Was that um, a decision that you made consciously? Okay, let's get rid of the critics. Let's show the story and not uh, be in it myself because before you know, they will start um, bashing me for it. No, it's not that. Bashing uh, is not my point. You don't I, care about that. I don't care and the critic have all, all rights. Uh, critic is always right, in a way. Yeah, you, are you serious? Okay. Yes, I'm serious. Okay. Uh, and I'm also always You never right. want to strangle anybody who is no. criticizing your film? No, never, never. 
Okay, they are very surprised sometimes. <laughs> I shake hands. Oh, yeah? They are surprised. They are afraid. They said, why should you be afraid? No, the point is not that. It is true that before this film, I made another one with the same team, same producer, same uh, cameraman, called The Oath of Tobruk about the Libyan war. The topic of The Oath of Tobruk, the topic, the subject, the matter, was what I did. It was a story. It was the, the deeds of, of, my, uh, of myself. It was my um, uh, achievements in this story, how I... I went here and there, how I, I delivered weapons to this uh, remote tribe, how I convinced Hillary Clinton uh, to, to engage uh, Obama in this war, how I, I went, uh, and so on. The subject was, was what I did. In this movie, the subject is what I saw, <laughs> not what I did. The, the character was, in a way, me and my group in North of Tobruk, the, the character here are the curves themselves. So, I'm just faithful to my point of view. And that's why uh, you don't exactly wait for 50 minutes because you see me in subliminal way before that. Yes, over shoulder. Eh? We can see... Uh, uh, shoulder from the, from, from the back. When I am unescapable, uh, <laughs> I, I, there is a little appearance. But and always in your Christian Dior suit with the... It is not Christian Dior. Oh, no? <laughs> no. That's what I thought. Who is it then? But, but always the same, yeah, because how would I say that? I am the same man if I am here with you uh -huh. discussing with this exquisite crowd. When I am in Paris, in my, in my favorite restaurant, and when I am with the Kurds, I am the same man. Should I disguise myself because I am in Kurdistan? Should I adopt <laughs> the, the, the suit of uh, the... the confirmed war reporter with many multi-pockets. Yes. Uh, well, come on. I am as I am. I leave Paris like that. <laughs> I, I land in Erbil like that, or in Sarajevo, or in Libya, or in the lost wars in Africa, or with Commander Bassoon. It, it was always my line, yeah. to be the same. To be the same. Well, it recognized me of uh, a war correspondent that I once met in Sarajevo, Martin Bell, a correspondent for the BBC, who was always traveling in wives. Exactly. And uh, very recognizable as well. But anyway, let's leave the this subject. This is the, ba the bad aspect, that you are a little too much recognizable, even by those whom you would like not to recognize and to trace you. Because Be Daesh has also fighters from France. Did they know that you were there? I think that at a point of the movie they knew, yes. How did you know? I know <laughs> because this is not in the movie. Uh, we did not put it uh, uh, in order not, not to make publicity to that, but we surprised, we, we, we fell on a conversation uh, on one of the front end, a, a conversation on radio, Radio Daesh, mm -hmm. where um, some uh, French uh, so-called fighters of Daesh uh, knew I was there, right. not, not far. Okay. Now, we also know that you wrote... Uh, books on the United States, American Vertigo. I was a correspondent in the country when you were traveling there as well. Um, we have mentioned Obama. We have mentioned Hillary Clinton. Now there is not a figure on the world stage, and we don't know exactly what his policies will be, but he is appointing into his new cabinet hardline generals who hate IS, or Daesh, as you say. Um, do you expect uh, help from the new president-elect, President Trump, for the people that uh, 
is it fair to say that you fell in love with them a little bit, with uh, the Peshmerga? Yeah. Yes, okay. So do it's you hard to, fa to fall in love with the people, <laughs> but it is not completely false. And I, and I, fall in, I fell in love with the... There is one aspect of the Peshmerga, of, of the Kurdish people, which is not often uh, uh, um, quoted, the women in the battalions of fighters, the brave ladies liberating the dam of Mosul, the great young girls liberating the city of Sinjar on a ground of absolute equality with the boys and the men. Because we don't see them on the front, front line in your film. We see them training. Uh, we see them you see them training. You see them... Uh, they are there, you say. You see them on the front line on Sinjar. The, uh, the last scene, the last real scene of the movie, they are on the front line. They are in the battalions who enter with us, or we with them, in, in Sinjar. They are there. And then there is this great line in your film that if somebody from Daesh is being killed by a woman, they will be prevented from going to paradise and oh, to have the seven true virgins. Great efficiency of the efficiency yeah. of the women. So okay. yes, these sort of people you may you may fall in. Okay, on. so you've you've answered the first part of my question, but then the Trump uh, question. Could it be that he Trump hates? You say that Trump hates ISIS, which is good. I I fear that he does not love enough his own country. I fear that he does not love enough the values on which his own country is based. And I feel that he's too much committed to the country or the man who is the biggest adversary of America, who is Putin. So, will a puppet of somebody who, till now, has qualified himself as a puppet of Putin, will someone who, till now, has described an image of America which is very far, from the shining city upon the hill of the great Americans, will he love enough America and its values in order to help his real allies? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So you will have the hate of Daesh, for sure, but the love for Putin on the other side, or the, the, the small love of his own country, which might, I fear, make the balance. But let's see. As President Obama said, it was a good line. He was, he's part of good distance. Mm -hmm. Good see. hope, yeah. good chance, good luck. Also, he has been criticized for that naturally by uh, commentators. So why is this man even still smiling while his um, legacy is being stolen from him? But you think it's a wise thing. Yes, I think that, that he and Hillary Clinton acted in a very decent way for the sake of America. The man, Barack Obama, who said for the first time in 2003, there is no uh, 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 red state and blue state, there is only United States of America, could not say when uh, the worst candidate ever is elected, could not turn his back. No, he had to, to give him uh, all the the support he can give in this very little time which in which they share a responsibility. Now back to the fight. Um, are we seeing the, the, the end game now? Are you waiting for this call, okay, dinner is ready, as you just said, and then you, you move and you fly into the 
uh, to the war zone again. Are we seeing now the end game? Is this the, the end of Daesh in Mosul and in Iraq? We're not talking about Syria, but in Iraq. I think so. I think so. You, you, you saw the movie. Uh, I think it is clear that they are not brilliant warriors. I think it is clear that they are, they are not uh, this uh, strong uh, army which was described by so many commentators. I think it is clear that their only strength is our weakness. Suddenly, we are no longer weak since uh, October 17. We have stopped to be weak. We encouraged the Peshmergas and the Golden Brigades of Iraq to go on, to move on. And we, we gave them the means for that. So in these conditions, I think that Daesh will not, will not last long in this part of the world, in, in Mosul and, in the, and around. I was last week in the, in the Battle of Bashika. Bashika is a city you are familiar with now because you, you saw it's a city where we are, we are having dinner at night in front of Mosul and we send a drone in the morning on Mosul. This is the place, Bashika. We are just in Peshmerga, just above Bashika. One kilometer. Last week, there was the Battle of Bashika, which we filmed. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a hard fight uh, with some casualties, more than in other places. But, okay, it took three days. And it was an important battle. It took three days. And uh, after the fourth day, churches were open. Muslim Peshmergas brought crosses and they went on the roof with the priest to reinstall or resettle the crosses and, and so on. So we might be very close to the, to the end. You have said in interviews that you saw uh, while filming in, for example, the city of uh, Kabril, uh, the enlightenment of Islam. Um, can you explain that and is, what, what positive force do you see there that maybe has an influence on the international political situation. I quoted two. Uh, equality of genders. Men and women <laughs> treated the same way, having the same rights, and uh, very, very, very often unveiled with their beautiful face visible. Example number one. Example number two. This uh, will be my next movie. Karakosh, Bartela, Bashika, the churches, reopened by Muslims. These incredible images of Christians, Muslims, and in this case, uh, uh, two or three Jews, uh, singing the same psalm in a destroyed church, in a church in black with ruins. This was the initiative of the Peshmergas. I know very Muslim countries where the churches are for, uh, forbidden. <laughs> or if they exist, closed, and where you have not the right to say that you are a worshiper to Christianity. Here it's the opposite. In Bartela and Karakosh, they rebuild the church. Example number two. Example number three. Uh, you saw this Peshmerga commander in the movie who speaks about his relatives in Israel, uh, Mike Barzani. He's a Barzani. He's a commander. He's a Peshmerga. He's very brave, and he has a relative in Israel, and he's a Jew, and he's a committed Jew, and he's not the only one. And another example of this enlightenment is that for most 
of the girls I met in Iraq, the absence of the Jews, the fact that under the time of Saddam Hussein they went away, is lived, is perceived even today as a source of big sorrow and as a loss for Kurdistan. So, a Muslim country, when you want the, the return of the Jews, when you want to rebuild the churches, and when you want the women to be on the, uh, the best light of humanity, I'm sorry, but it might be an exception for the moment in the Muslim world, but it is a brilliant exception. Yeah. But again, it leads to the question, is it an isolated pocket? What we see here, is it the exception to the rule? It is an exception, yes, uh, but uh, it is an exception which can spread. You have the same in, uh, in, uh, in Syria. The Kurds in Syria who have some differences, political differences, but they share these values, more or less. And my feeling, that's, but we are far from the movie, but my feeling is that inside the Muslim world in general, these forces, contrary to what I hear and listen and read everywhere, are in progress. Uh, I listened the, recently, we also, the speech of the king of Morocco, uh, Mohammed VI, against ISIS. He said more or less what a Kurd could say. And he's, a command, he's the commander of the believers. So you have many examples of that. The merit of the Kurds being to embody that in one uh, community, national community and one nearly state. Okay, so here we go. So you have the ideal subject. You fell in love with your subject. It's a romantic film. It's exciting. It's also the group of people who are defending us from evil. That's what you're saying. These are the bravest people in the world. And you see a positive element of an enlightenment Islam, the ideal subject for a documentary. I think it was. <laughs> That's why, in spite of my grand age, <laughs> I decided to, to go back on the field to, yeah. to, to shoot this movie for these uh, five, six months. It was, uh, yes, it was ideal. When I understood all that you say, I called my friend Francois Margolin, uh, I told him, please, uh, Look at what uh, is remained in your pockets. Go and see Canal Plus and Olivier Tourneau and Philippa, and let's try to let's try to go. We have to do this movie. We have to do this movie. We have to show to the world that it is possible to to be uh, Muslim and to be embodiment of democracy. That it, and as is it possible, it can be the rule tomorrow. Is it boring for you to be back in uh, Paris or in Amsterdam? No, it's not boring, but of course not. But there is always a little moment of adaptation. When you come from uh, Almora, when you, when you meet the young general with the white hair, dead, uh, when your cameraman is between life and death for weeks, and when you come back to normal life with normal problems with which you have to deal in your ordinary life, there is a moment of adaptation, a moment where you are a little cuckoo. So I am naturally a little cuckoo, but when I come back from Kurdistan, I'm even more. Yeah. Is it exceptional for you to, uh, after this film was finished, uh, it, it sounds like you're hooked on the subject and you want to go back immediately again for the 
uh, Battle of Mosul. Is it difficult to say goodbye to uh, the people that you have worked with, your cameraman, three people were there, we heard here in the film, one was wounded, as you just said, but also the soldiers on the front line, the women. Um, is it a, a force that is pulling you back constantly? In a way, yes. You know, I, I, I made the, this movie about Sarajevo in 1993, and uh, it's a long time ago now, 23 years ago, I never broke the line. I never broke the, the link. I'm still, uh, I'm still looking hypocrite, hypocritically all possible reasons to, to keep tuned, to keep the contact with them. Yeah. So maybe it may be a, a, a little lecture, it may be to help uh, a house of orphans, but uh, 20 years after there is no orphan, they're all grown up now. So this reason, so I have to invent something else. So, Yes, I invent every year uh, a reason to, to, to be back to, to Sarajevo, to, to evoke with, with great ladies and great guys our common souvenirs and so on. Yes, of course, these sort of links shaped not in the war, but in such circumstances of tragedy are very difficult to break. Okay. I have one last question for you. Uh, courage or courage, as you say, is a very rare commodity. You don't find it in many places in the world anymore. Um, what have you learned from the people that you have been following for half a year? That courage is uh, more frequent than you say. When people have the, have the sense of defending, number one, the lives of their beloved, and number two, the values of the civilization, it happens rather often that they become courageous. I do believe philosophically that in each of us there is a, a little uh, thread hole, a little passage, a little nearly invisible way, uh, a, lit, uh, a very dark uh, road toward grandeur, greatness in each of us. And when you are in these sort of circumstances, it is very rare that the path is not open and that the woman or the man is not suddenly a little greater than she or he is. Il y a un moment où les gens se grandissent et deviennent un peu plus grands qu'eux-mêmes. Ça s'appelle le courage. Et c'est dans ce genre de circonstances que cela apparaît. Merci. Thank you so much.